Let's take a minute and pray together as we get ready to hear from the scriptures. Lord Jesus, we want to hear from you. Would you help us? Help us today to hear what you have to teach us. Amen. So today we're wrapping up a series that we started back in the fall. We took a break during Christmas time, and uh, today's the final week of this series, Changed, Known, Sent. What's that all about? What's well, three words that we use at InTown to capture so many themes that run throughout our mission, vision, and values? You'll, you'll see a snapshot uh, from our mission statement on the front of your worship guide. You'll notice there a a description of three powerful impacts that we believe the good news about Jesus has. It, uh, it changes us. Jesus transforms our lives. The grace he gives us from God, that's the, the cross at the center of everything. We believe that he's the only one who can change us, change our world, make us healthy again, make the world right again. We're also a people who are known because Jesus is drawing to himself people from all over the world, all kinds of people, and he's uniting us into one family, one body, one community, where we can really be known and still loved anyway, right? That's the test, isn't it? Can somebody know the real me and still love me? Jesus does, and he's making us that kind of community. So we're changed by him, we're known and this community that he's building, and then he sends us back out again. You'll notice in our new logo, there's these points of light radiating outward from the center. Jesus draws us to himself so he can send us back out into the world. And what we've been doing over the past several uh, weeks in this series is kind of unpacking those and saying, let's be a bit more specific. Not just that Jesus sends us out into the world to love and serve our culture, our neighbors, but um, what does that mean at Intel specifically? We're naming three things that we believe that means for us as a congregation. One is we want to commit ourselves to pursuing cross-cultural friendship and service. This is one of the distinctive ways that Jesus is sending us into the world. We believe that's part of what he intends to do, restoring a world in which too often there are divisions and barriers. And we want to, we want to pursue relationships across those boundaries the second thing we mentioned is that we we want to invite more people to know God Jesus sends us out into the world with that invitation to build relationships that would allow us to say if you want to know God we know the one we know his name his name is Jesus let's love and serve him together and today we're going to add one more emphasis to this. We're sent by Jesus into the world with a commitment to engaging our faith where we live, work, and play. Now that statement makes no sense unless you believe that Jesus cares about a whole range of human activities. If Jesus doesn't care about the work you do, then he doesn't care whether you engage your faith where you work. If he doesn't care about play, about recreation, about restoration, about leisure, then you don't need to engage your faith anywhere but right here. 
So this statement presupposes, we we think Jesus cares about the full range of human activities. He cares about the full range of human beings and everything we do. He cares about the full range of human existence. We're going to hear that from three snapshots of Scripture. One that starts at the very beginning in the, in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the story. One that's going to come from the book of Revelation, a snapshot of the end. What's it going to look like when Jesus returns? And then one that comes from the very beginning of the life of the church, people following Jesus from, from the epistle written to the Colossians in the first century. So we're going to hear those but this one theme running through everyone that Jesus cares about everything let's listen as Jim reads for us from the scriptures our scriptures cover selections from Genesis Colossians and Revelation from Genesis 1 then God said let us make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. From Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And finally from Revelation 21. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives light, and the lamp is its lamp, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I read a story recently about a guy named John Tyson. He's from Australia. And uh, several years ago, he found himself working in a butcher's shop. He was a butcher's apprentice learning this trade. Um, Like many Australians, he had grown up not knowing anything about the Christian faith, came to trust Jesus, gave himself as a follower of Jesus, and then he came to a crossroads in his life. He, He had this sense of, I think Jesus wants me to do something significant with my life. I think I want to be a pastor because what good does being a butcher do for the world? Now, a lot of us find ourselves in a similar situation, right? I mean, here's this guy becoming an apprentice 
to a butcher. You, you've, you've made a four-year commitment. And, and he feels like he's wasting his time, right? What, what, what good does being a butcher do for anybody? I want to do something important. I want to do something significant. I want to engage my faith and really serve Jesus. I want to be a pastor. Thinking like that, he's, he's sort of just saying what many of us have, have been taught to assume is true. Jesus only cares about. Jesus only cares about a very narrow range of human activities. He doesn't care about cutting meat. He doesn't care about what butchers do. He only cares about, well, he only cares about a very narrow range of human beings. He only cares about pastors and missionaries and and real hero Christians. You know, the kind who lead a Bible study every Thursday morning with all the people who are employed because they went through the rehab program started by the charity they founded. The hero Christians matter to Jesus and the rest of us cutting away in a butcher shop. He just doesn't really care because really Jesus only cares about a, a very limited period of human existence. And it's called eternity. And he doesn't care about the now. What you do with your heart matters for eternity. What you do with your hands in the here and now It's unimportant. Your worship is way more important than your work because all this is going to burn. No, none of that is true. None of that is true. None of that is true. John came to see that over time. He came, he, he came across, he came across statements like this one in Colossians 3. Whatever you do, whether you're talking or doing something, whether in word or deed, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. If Jesus is the ruler, Lord over everything, then he doesn't just care about a little narrow range of something. He cares about all of it. John began to sense this and he began to ask the question, what would it mean if Jesus cares about my work as a butcher's apprentice? John's answer to that question was to arrive at the shop every morning before anybody else did and to kneel on the floor and to hold up a knife and pray and say, Jesus, I am offering myself to you today and everything I do with these tools is done through strength that you have given me. Every every time I serve someone today, and love them well by serving them well. I do that for your glory and honor. Jesus, all of this is yours. He began to see he didn't have to be a pastor. He didn't have to be a pastor in order to be doing something that mattered immensely to Jesus. If you've never had that kind of moment, I hope you have it today. And if you have never heard me say to you that the work you do every day is just as valuable as the work that I do, then I am sorry. Because I've been here four and a half years and you should have heard that hundreds of times. And if you haven't, I've been doing something wrong.
So can we listen today and hear what Jesus is saying to us? He wants us to be the kind of place where we learn to engage what we believe about Him in everything we do, no matter where we are, all the places we live and work and play. It's all under Him. Jesus cares about the full range of human beings, not just important people. Right? That thinking that says, oh, I got to be a pastor. I got to be a missionary. I got to be the the hero Christian. Because Jesus only cares about important people. And if I can get under the important people umbrella, then he'll care about what I'm doing. But we want to see from Scripture that that's absolutely not true. We see it in the book of Genesis. When we read that God says, let's create the whole human race in our image. Now, if you've, if you've been around churches any amount of time, that does not sound startling to you. You've probably heard that before. Christians believe that every human being is made in the image of God. We believe it because the very beginning of our story says it. Great. What I want you to hear today is how radical that is. Because in the world that Genesis was written, here's what you would have expected to hear. You have expected to hear that kings are made in the image of God. That, that the world is this delicate balance of, of clashing powers and, and forces and, and only somebody with enough power and strength to, to contribute to the balance matters. And kings are the only people that powerful in the ancient world. So you're not a king, you're just a peon. You're just a peasant. And you're not made in the image of any god. Kings are made in the image of gods, but you aren't. And here comes God saying, no, nobody's a peasant. In my kingdom, you're all royalty. You're made in my image, no matter who you are, no matter what you do every day, whether you sit on a throne or build thrones with your hand. Now, if, if we were the first people reading the book of Genesis, we would be reading it from a different perspective. It, it, it would sound like this. We are just leaving Egypt where we have been, our people have been slaves for 400 years. And for 400 years, people have been looking at us every day and saying, you have no dignity unless I say you do. For 400 years, people have been looking at me and my cousins and my nephews and my sons and my daughters and my my wife and my mother and my father, they've been looking at all of us and saying, your work only has worth if the taskmaster holding the whip says so. And, it, and to those people, God says, your work matters. I'm a worker. I make stuff. That's how the story starts. In the beginning, God made stuff. And, and then came evening and morning, and that was a day. And then the next day, he made some stuff. And then came evening and morning, and that was another day. And he made some more stuff. And if you're reading that, you're going, that sounds like a normal week to me. That sounds like a normal work week. That sounds like my week. 
I do stuff and then comes the evening and the morning and I get up and I do more stuff in evening and morning and do more stuff and then I rest on the seventh day and, and God is saying, me too. You see, this, this also would have spoken to the first generation of Christians, not just people who lived in the the way back centuries before the time of Christ, not just the first generation coming out of Egypt, but the first Christians, most of whom have been shaped by, by a, a, a Greek and Roman outlook on the world. Well, Greek religion taught that the world started with this golden age when the gods and humans lived on the earth together happily and in harmony and nobody had to do any work. Nobody worked. The earth just produced fruit magically out of the ground. And you were free to do important stuff. Like create art. Do philosophy. Think hard. Write. Speak. And that led to this culture in which there was a real sharp divide between body and mind. And if you had to use your body to do work, to make the earth produce stuff, then you had no worth. Because what you really wanted to be was the noble person who had enough time to do the important stuff like art and philosophy and politics. So some people were lucky enough to do that kind of work with their minds and everybody else was a slave or, say it with a sneer, a craftsman, an artisan, someone who uses their hands to make things. (laughs) And here at the very beginning of the story, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are saying, It is not like that. The world is not divided up into people who matter and people who don't. People whose work is significant and people whose work doesn't matter. It's not divided up into the people who got a good education and those who didn't, so they're worth less. People who are skilled and people who aren't as skilled, so they're not worth less. As much. Jesus calls us to into a life where he cares about the full range of human beings. Every person. It matters that God portrays himself as a potter. He takes, he takes dirt from the ground and forms it to make a human. He portrays himself as a physician. He puts Adam in this deep sleep takes out a rib to make Eve. He portrays himself as a sculptor sculpting and fashioning a rib bone to make someone. God is saying, I work with my hands. Don't be surprised if I show up again holding a hammer and a chisel. I'm a carpenter. I'm a stonemason. That's our God. Jesus cares about every person, not just about important people. The woman named Vicky 
was learning some of these things from her pastor. She didn't believe them. Her way of saying it was, pastor just doesn't know. I'm a paper pusher. Vicki worked in an ER. Her job was to make sure that all your information about insurance was correct. Process to get, to get you cared for in the ER. She felt like her work was unimportant and menial. And I suspect, knowing what I do about the world, that there were plenty of physicians in the place who made her feel like her work was menial and unimportant. Probably plenty of higher-up administrators who made her feel that way. And so she had this sense that, you know, I hear you're telling me the Bible says this, but it can't really be true. I'm just a paper pusher. Over time, she began to see what Scripture was teaching. She began to sense, wait a minute, wait a minute. Every time I see someone in the ER, they are having a really difficult day. They are having a moment of intense stress and anxiety and need. And God is using me to serve them in a moment of real difficulty. And that matters. That matters. It matters to him. Well, read the scriptures, you find out that Jesus also cares about the full range of human activities, not just the spiritual stuff. That's why I wanted us to hear that passage from Colossians today, because the first people reading that letter written by the Apostle Paul, they were having a crisis, and their crisis was, we believe Jesus is king over all the spiritual stuff, but... Other gods and goddesses and and beings that they called demons, they didn't mean by that the same thing you and I would mean if we use that word, but that's the word they would have used. Jesus is Lord of all the spiritual stuff, but these demons, they're the Lord over our work. They are the masters of ordinary everyday life. And so we've got an altar in the house to make an offering to those beings at the beginning of every day so that everything that goes into running the household smoothly is is cared for. Jesus has provided for all the spiritual stuff, but we've got this other altar that governs the ordinary stuff. And we join, join guilds. Like every profession has its own union what we call it today and you didn't pay union dues you brought sacrifices to the patron god or goddess of your profession jesus is lord over the spiritual stuff but these gods and goddesses are lord over the work we do every day and then you read something like this hey guess what jesus is lord over everything and when he calls you together And you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That should spill out into everything you do. That matters for all of life. So whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So you don't have to say, gosh, I'm getting ready to do my work in the home today. Jesus doesn't care about it. He cares only about Well, spiritual activities like praying, not like raising children. 
That's somehow menial and, and beneath Jesus' concern. Or, or I'm going out to work today, and the work I'm going to do is blue-collar, and it's hands-on. And Jesus doesn't care about that because it's material. He only cares about the spiritual stuff. And here is the very first generation of Christians being told, no, no, no. Jesus isn't like that. He is Lord over everything. He is with you in all of it, no matter what you're doing. So there's a really helpful book uh, called Culture Making by a guy named Andy Crouch. And if you would like to know more about it, stay tuned. Watch for an update in your email, e-news this week. And I'll give you some resources that could help you learn more about these things that we're talking about this morning. But Andy's wife, Catherine, is a physics professor. And um, she describes some of the ways that, that knowing Jesus transforms the work she does. She gives the example of, you know what, playing classical music inside a research lab so that the students working under her supervision have a sense that beauty and creativity is important in a very sterile environment where they're taught to just be objective and not really engage emotions. She's wanting to say, no, we are whole people. So this little subtle thing, she talks about bringing her children to work with her on occasion just to send the signal that, you know what, work is not an interruption to family. I am always mom. I am always professor. I, I, th- these are callings I have before Jesus. I don't have to turn one on and turn the other one off. This is who I am. And she talks about inviting students to come into their home so that they get a sense that they aren't just units of research productivity in her mind. They are real people. And she wants to know them as such. What a beautiful thing. She's engaging her faith in her role as mom, her role as wife, her role as teacher, She's shaping the culture of every class she teaches, of every lab where she supervises students. Not because she's some hero Christian. Jesus cares about everything she's doing. There's a glimpse of this at the end of Scripture in the book of Revelation where we hear that We learn that Jesus cares about the full range of human existence, not just now, not just eternity, but both, now and eternity. So you read in Revelation 21, this this vision, right? It's using lots of symbols. We don't have time to unpack each one of them. But the one detail I do want to unpack is this. We are told that the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into this city. The city here is a, is a symbol for, for the completeness of God's work in the world. When Jesus returns and everything has been restored as it should be, what will it be like? It will be like this. The kings of the earth bringing their splendor before Jesus to honor and celebrate Him The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into this city. What's that telling us? Well, if you read the whole of 
the book of Revelation, you know that these nations are the, the people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation that Jesus has redeemed. And we were created to bear His image, the image of a God who works and shapes and makes and creates. And we're meant to bear His image in everything that we do. And apparently that's not just important for now, it's important for eternity. That when everything is as it should be, God's craftsmanship, people from every nation, will be bringing the best of their craftsmanship before Him to honor Him. Please hear what Jesus is saying to us today. He's not saying that the work you do every day matters only because it's a temporary necessity. And one day you'll be able to devote yourself to the stuff that really matters. Perpetual worship, nothing but singing and praying and praising all day. That's not what Scripture tells us. And please don't hear Jesus saying to you today, your work would matter if you were doing spiritual work, if you were a full-time Christian worker. Jesus never says that to anyone. He is with you no matter where you are and no matter what you're doing. As one person has said, if it ain't sinful work, it's sacred work. Hear Jesus saying that. Hear that from a God who's not too proud to depict himself as a worker who does his work evening, morning, does more work, evening, morning, does more work. Hear that from a God who is not too proud to spend 30 years in his father's carpentry workshop before he begins his mission of preaching and teaching. Jesus is like that. And that Jesus goes with you everywhere, every day, no matter what he calls you to.